like Brent Lori, and I bet I could watch you spread your air out all day. But when you're done doing whatever, when you're through playing whoever, you know that the Nats fans will be right here waiting for you. Just shirtless and slightly douchey. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to Resting Pitch Face. I'm Kay. I'm Laura. And I'm Sydney. Um, you can catch us on our website, restingpitchface.com. That has links to a lot of our stuff and some bonus material. But uh, you can also, from there, you can find us on Twitter, Resting Pitchface with no G. That's kind of the best way to get in contact with us. Um, we also, on our website, have a couple ways to contact us, including our email address, restingpitchface at gmail.com, and a link to our, uh, our merch store if you ever are in so interested. I think we're going to jump right in. We talked about this a little bit in uh, our sort of pre-show uh, thinking. We're going to just jump right into Bryce because it's it's the elephant in the room. We might as well just like talk about it and get it out of the way so that we can talk about other stuff. Because it like finally Bryce signed. That's happened. It's done. Maybe with this conversation, we can finally stop talking about it. I don't believe that that's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it has settled a little bit, which is nice. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is obviously our first episode since yeah. we signed with the Phillies. So we still have some some stuff to work through here Yeah, together. It, it's a breakup where you have to see your ex all the time. <laughs> and like some analysts agree that their new partner is about as attractive as you are. And like had he signed with, I don't know, the Angels, we'd be like, okay, bye. But now it's like, you're going to be here all the time. Yeah, oh, I, I honestly was, like, totally down with him being a Dodger, a Giant, even a Yankee, but just the Phillies. Oh. I didn't, I, I, I'm on record as saying, like, I was fine with him going anywhere, and I just didn't want him to go to the Phillies, but then he went to the Phillies, and honestly, my reaction is, like, eh. I feel like something's wrong with me, because everyone is, like, either really upset or really angry, just being like, ugh, the Phillies. I'm like, eh, fine, just. Bryce, do what you're gonna do. Like, yeah, you do you, Bryce. I was more upset than I expected myself to be. You were yeah. less upset. I was medium upset. I don't <laughs> really. I'll be honest. Like, so there's a certain strain of people on Twitter who we are not gonna link to. Who are like, why didn't he take out a full page out in the newspaper? Or like, post something on Instagram thanking the fans. And I'm like, yeah, no. I was actually having a conversation with some people, not on Twitter, because I'm never on Twitter, but like uh, about about this idea. And I, we were because I was like, I don't know why this is bothering you so much. And because it, it doesn't nothing bothers me. Apparently, I have no emotions. Um, but like, let's it, talk about Michael A. Taylor. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. All right. All right. So we, we, know, know, we know Kay has feelings. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but like. I was like, why does this why does this bother you so much that he didn't thank the fans or put out an ad or do some sort of dramatic gesture? And it ultimately, I think, came down to, for a lot of people, like this feeling of betrayal, like that they had mm -hmm. invested so much time and support and energy and caring about him. And then he just was like, see ya. Like, you know, and and um, there, there was a certain sense of like... I thought I thought we meant more to you than that, and like, but then there was also sort of uh, the word, um, like the word tacky kept coming up, and the word um, he owes us that, and I was like, why? He never owed us anything except to play the best baseball he could play while he was here. Like that's think, his job. 
So I don't, full page ads, whatever. I do think it is very much the norm to post something on social media thanking the fans. I think that's pretty well established. Sammy Solis just did it. Mm -hmm. It's a very basic thing that it really seems like most people do. And if that weren't the case, I think this would be a non-issue. And I also, I agree with you that like people are going way over the top with it, but it did surprise me just given how typical it is that people post something, you know, a one-liner on Twitter, a picture on Instagram, not necessarily a full page ad in the Washington Post, mm -hmm. but a very basic, thanks so much to DC fans, blah, blah, blah. You know, it'll be fun seeing you in the division. Like it's free to post on your own Instagram generally. This is very true. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with you that people are taking it way over the top, but I am a little bit surprised that he didn't do this basic thing that people typically do do. So, I mean, his last interviews with, like, Masson and, and stuff like that at the end of the season, I felt were the amount of closure that we needed. Like... He, he talks very specifically about, like, this is where I grew up. This is where I learned things. Like, I would be happy to be back, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, okay, he said goodbye. I don't need to see him say goodbye again. You had the I'm leaving for a different job work party. You don't need to send the I left for a different job work card. And, like, I agree with Kay. His obligation is to play the best baseball he can. Kind of, it is free to post on your own Instagram. Is it like an omission that he didn't? Sure. Do I care? No. You know, I think the difference is, Sid, you and I are kind of thinking about this as like a job thing. It's a job. Because it is. It's a job. But I think a lot of people are thinking this as like, it's like a family or as you said earlier, like an actual breakup for the people who are being a little bit more on the like dramatic side of things and you know what in a breakup after you have the talk of like i really grew a lot in this relationship <laughs> and like i'm I, I i feel that we should probably like perhaps part ways and then they get with someone else i don't expect a card but if if you're if your dad and mom divorced and your dad just like booked it to a different house and didn't say, hey, kids, I love you, you might be a little upset about it, right? Like, if your dad went and joined a new family... Bryce and then... Harper is not my father. I know, I know, but this is what I'm saying. Like, we're no, thinking about it... <laughs> we're thinking mm, about it like it's, a, like it's mm, a job. And if somebody that we worked with or, you know, went to a different job, we'd be like, oh, see ya, have fun, do... I, I wish you all the best, except not in this situation because it's the Phillies. But like, I wish you the mediumst. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know if, frankly, any of these metaphors are all that useful because it's not any of those things. It True. is a baseball team going to a, a baseball player going to another baseball team, and we have a normalized thing that people do in that scenario, which he objectively did not do. Yes, and but whether I, you whether you personally feel anything about that is obviously your prerogative. But we have a norm in this situation, and he didn't do it. That's, I mean, that's a fair point. We can, we can analyze whether that's a good norm or a bad norm to have. But it right. was a little bit of like, a, it was a little bit dickish to not do it. Yes, Bryce Harper is a little bit dickish. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. So, so that to me is more, I think the reason this feels so personal to a lot of people is that a lot of us have been defending him to other teams' fans as not actually that much of a dick, including me, including to some degree us, whether we really believed it or we just kind of felt obligated. And I think the betrayal that a lot of people are coming up with is I spent the last 
how long has it been? Six years of my life telling other people that you weren't a huge jerk. And oh, now I don't actually know if that's true or not. And also, I don't know how to process my feelings about this person that I've been putting on a pedestal for so long and defending against other people trying to take him off of that pedestal, maybe or maybe not deserving that pedestal. And again, we can talk a lot about whether this is a good thing in our culture, and generally it's not. But that notwithstanding, that is what a lot of people have been doing. I will be interested to see how he behaves at the first home game we play against the Phillies. Yes. So if that's the case of him being, again, like he's very media trained and I and I stand by that. So if it's a case of I was waiting to take out the full page ad until I came back or I was going to do like some stuff on Insta when I came back, I think a lot will be forgiven. You know, it, it is a case of por no los dos. It's also a case of like, I, I only have Instagram because I run my work's Instagram. Like Instagram is for is for shirtless people to post pictures of themselves shirtless. Um, exactly. How does that not qualify for price? Like, yeah, if he like thanked the fans by taking his shirt off one more time, like, I'd be okay with that. And, like yeah. writing it on his on his pecs. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, one D and one C. He left how he stayed, shirtless and slightly douchey. Like. <laughs> You know, I, this is this is again a thing where yeah. I'm just kind of like, yeah, is it a slightly dickish thing not to do it? Yes. If I send somebody something and they don't send me a thank you card, I kind of get mad a little bit, maybe. Eh. But at eh. the end of the day, it's not the end of the world. At, at the end of the day, Bryce Harper died as he lived, shirtless and slightly douchey. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do agree. I think one of the things that's been fascinating about this whole process is so many people thinking that they knew what his motivations were, so many people thinking that they knew what he wanted, why he wanted it, and just sort of projecting all of these things about knowing him as a person, which is a very typical thing to do in celebrity culture, pro-athlete culture, where we obsess over them. You know, this is how people talk about these people. And this, that was, I think, one of the big sort of feeding frenzies of this whole process. What can we say about what he's going to do based on how well we think we know him? And not necessarily us personally, but sort of a As lot of people base. in yeah, a lot of people in the NAS fan base acting like, well he's gonna do this because of such and such. And the backlash to that has been kind of multifaceted. One of the things that I've seen that has kind of disgusted me has been people getting really furious with his wife for being involved in the decision-making process about oh, where they were going to spend the next 13 years of their lives. And let's <laughs> be clear, she's kind of a disaster on Instagram. I'm not saying anything about her as a person. Yeah. She is kind of a disaster on social media in general. But the fact that anyone is angry that the spouse of someone choosing a new city to live and work in wants to be involved in the decision-making for that new city Guys, if your spouse is taking a new job in a new city, don't you want to be in on the decision making process? And people just saying kind of grossly misogynistic things about her. And whether she is a nice person or a disaster on Instagram or not, grossly misogynistic things about a player's wife are never done. And also, I do want to make Everything you're saying is completely correct. Sports fans are misogynist, misogynistic. News at eleven, but like also, he kind of kind of ran out of options. Well, so, yeah. like, how much influence could she possibly have had? Because there was, like, 
it was like no options at the point at which he signed basically it was like philadelphia or space i would have gone with space personally but you know how i feel about that yeah you know this is a case of i i totally agree with you laura like a person's spouse should get to dictate that they don't live in minneapolis or wherever you know absolutely and no one should should basically have an issue with it i do i do think ascribing specific emotions to somebody you admire as if you know them Mm -hmm. especially in the case of and i think like if we did a word cloud of of words sydney associates with bryce harper it would be media trained he's not geo geo Mm -hmm. if geo turned out to be insincere like i would be like you know what you got us all like I, I wouldn't understand it. That's where I would feel like hurt and betrayed if Gio Gonzalez turned out to be like a master manipulator. But guess what? He's not. He's just sort of a disaster. But see, that's my whole point. Yeah. But like, I would also say this. Gio is not the Gio that we think he is. He may be closer. Like yes. the two images maybe like only have a slight like halo effect on them. But Gio is not the Gio that we think he is. And at a certain point, when is it on us about our reaction to this? Like, if I, if Geo turns out to be not the person I've made him in my head, and then that, and then something happens to shatter that image, it's kind of my fault for making that image in the first place. Yes, I would agree with that. I, I would also no. agree that like Bryce has been fairly transparent in that like the public image he presents and who he is as a person are, An I would say, much more distant. And it, it's been getting more, like gradually more and more distant over the years too. I think more distant, and it's very clear. Mm-hmm. And like his his brand is is a brand. I guess I my question is like, how do you not see that? I mean, I want I do want to take a moment. Like, I agree with you, but at the same time, like, I don't want to be like policing other people for their reaction. Like, their reactions are valid, even if their reactions are sort of on them. I think like I think that's you can kind of you can you can be like you know you this is your fault that you're having this reaction, but at the same time, it's a valid reaction and you should like, it's okay. But yeah, I, I mean, he's been pretty transparent. I do think there is a mandatory suspension of disbelief in Agreeing. throwing your entire soul behind a team one way or another. If you're doing that to the point where you are no longer in touch with the reality of what's going on, maybe you should take a step back. On the other hand, we're all doing it to an extent. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so that extent is going to vary. And, you know, my point is still literally none of us will ever know what was going through his head ever because we don't know him, no matter how much fans like to believe they know players. But on the other hand, yeah, there really is this mandatory suspension of disbelief. I mean, we've talked about it before in terms of thinking about which players are actually LGBT friendly. Every time we turn on a game, there is a mandatory suspension of disbelief over how many of these men actually think I'm personally going to help. And if you can't suspend that disbelief, you kind of can't be a baseball fan. And so criticizing people for going too far with it, I think is a little unfair to those people. I, I agree with it in principle. I also have to say that the that I think that those people also have the capacity to be self-reflective, and a lot of them are not. Like, we're self-reflective to the point of hey we know that a public persona and a private persona are different things and it's disappointing when somebody's public persona doesn't match what the image that you've put in their head you know of, of them in your head and you can feel hurt and betrayed but at the same time like 
you need to monitor yourself for that reaction and not just like take to social media and demand that somebody do something because the image that you built in your head demands that they do that, not who they are as a person. I mean, but what are people demanding that's so incredibly unreasonable? I, it's not the demand itself of post something on Instagram. It's the way in which the demand is made. They are owed. They feel betrayed. They feel, you know, sort of like he's being tacky. It's being classless. Stop it. Like, I, I, there's a point where it's like, yeah, okay. Like, you feel that he should do something. Like, you feel he should say, he should say something. But at the same time, like, the language and the demand in which we're doing that is sort of not reflective of the fact that celebrity culture is inherently insincere. I think it I think it's a it's a line between saying I'm upset that he didn't do this and being like he's a horrible person for not doing this. Yeah, or I am owed this thing. Right. Cuz one leads into a case of being entitled to the actions of an independent human being, which is never a good place to be, and one is like this is the reaction that I'm having. The other thing I have to say is some of this is tinged by experiences in both baseball and in other sports of this person couldn't have done this bad thing because I know who they are. And so like the same thing that says, I know who Bryce Harper is and, you know, he he has betrayed me personally in doing X or not doing X, Y, and Z gets ascribed to like when people do like some serious bad shit. Mm-hmm. And, and then you're like, well, they couldn't have done that because, again, the image that I have in my head doesn't match that. And you're like, they could have and they did. Um, and so I think that that for me, like, part of the issue isn't did Bryce put something or not on social media to thank the fans. But the whole I know who a celebrity is and their, their good or bad action I can predict and make, like, solid outcomes about gets played out a lot when people do, like... I, I'm talking like drunk driving or PEDs or mm-hmm. much, much, much worse spousal abuse. And so like that's sort of the thing of it's obviously a continuum, but at the same time, it's the same mindset that leads to that, which is they couldn't have done that because I know who they are. No, you don't. I, I think, think I obviously agree with you, but I still feel like that's kind of the point that I was making that people are getting so bent out of shape because they think they know anything about him and none of us will ever know anything about him. Yeah. No, we're not disagreeing with you, Laura. <laughs> yeah, I'm just disagreeing with like the 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 language and and way that people are going about this on social media. Like, if if somebody said, "Yeah, I think it's kind of dickish that he didn't do this," I'd be like, "Yeah, I agree with that." But it's it's the demand that I have some issue with. And then finding, we'll see what what that turns into. I mean, it may be a lot of there's a lot of performative stuff sometimes on social media that does not reflect how people are going to act in like. Uh, meat space <laughs> to be yeah. really archaic with my terminology oh, oh my like, god <laughs> i'm an uh, like don't do like, him on a, on opening day yeah and i think or, a lot of people or, are, or the first time we play them a lot like, of people are saying that they're going to but are they going to i don't know and maybe not and so like you know they can they can they can demonstrate all these feelings in a really big way in social media and then when it comes down to it then they're going to be like yeah fine brace whatever <laughs> like it, you know it might be that the monkey see monkey do aspect of a lot of online um behavior yeah it's just i if this translates into like i don't know it, even if they boo him when he comes in the park like i oh, think they're gonna he, boo him. what i'm sure people are gonna boo yeah 
I, you and know. I never, I mean, you guys know me. I don't boo unless you're Jonathan Papelon and you just joke somebody. Like, it takes a lot. So I'm not saying I'm behind it. I'm just saying I'm yeah. sure people are going to do it. Oh yeah. yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is this is a calculated heel turn on on the part of Bryce Harper. Now he gets to be the villain. Yeah, in the reality series of baseball in, in the wrestling series of his heart. <laughs> like honestly, like yeah, like this is this is a wrestling heel turn kind of thing, where yeah, I guess yeah. I you know I imagine he loves to be hated in that he loves to be loved and loves to be hated, and we kn- we've known that for a long time. Probably. Do we do we know anything? <laughs> do we do we ever know anything? Here we are answering the great epistemological questions at Resting Bitch Face. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say we have it? evidence of past behavior in which he he enjoys smiling. He enjoys attention. Yes. I, I think that I, I can safely say that we have solid evidence for that. What is in his heart, I don't know. Probably a whole lot of money at this point. Lots of money. Well, I guess we'll find out soon enough because we're playing the Phillies like second home series, I think. Mm. Right? Like the first weekend in April, I think. Yeah, we are playing them right after we play the Mets. We're playing them 4 <laughs> 2. Didn't we just beat up the Mets real bad yesterday? Seven I mean, homers. It's, it's all made up and the points do not matter. It was not yeah, it's training. Though. It was like four homers off Mats. That's not like four homers off Mr. Nobody from nowhere. True. That counts. I mean, not literally, but figuratively. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the the spring training is is a bunch of crooked numbers, like losing 13 to five to the Red Sox, you know, winning, uh, losing nine to eight to the Marlins. Oh. Well, let, we should let them have one. Oh, but yes, we have we put up two. We put up a crooked number against the Mets, eleven to three. Didn't didn't uh, Victor Robles get Hilmer in that one? Right, he did. He was one of the seven. Everybody homered. In I mean, everybody game. homered. That's who didn't look under the bench? You get a homer. You get a homer. <laughs> Jeremy Hellickson, don't throw a slider. He said he's not going to. That's, okay, that's well, probably good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've I've stopped looking at the rosters for spring training because I'm like, who? Yeah, I mean, that's what spring training kind of is. It's like everybody who's ever like breathed in the Nats general direction gets to come yeah. and try. So <laughs> uh except us apparently. Damn it. Ugh. Draft me already. Seriously. I can't run, but I can hold a baseball bat. I can't hit, I can't run, and I can't throw. How's what? that gonna work? Laura has experience though. Laura played yeah. on a football team. Yeah, I yeah. know exactly how bad I am. That's better than us. Yeah. Try out, try or- out, try out. <laughs> I've been on a bunch of work calls with a bunch with a like a, a company that we work with, um, and it's Zoom calls, so you can see the the people. And like, it's a couple people I can identify, and then it's an interchangeable array of people that I've just think of in, in my head as Matt. <laughs> They're not named Matt, but it's helpful. And I feel that spring training is a lot of Matt. Like, I'm just gonna throw that out there. Like, you look like you could be named Matt. To be fair, don't we have like seven mats? Yes. So it's like it's like a couple years ago when we had like twenty people named Tyler. <laughs> it was like, which Tyler are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> um, like, thank God they have to wear numbers. <laughs> like, because I'm like Matt, third Matt, other Matt, shortstop well, ne- Matt. We never talked about Ryan Zimmerman clone. Oh my God, he looks like Ryan Zimmerman. 
I mean, so clearly, like, this is more evidence of our various clone factories. We just didn't <laughs> think that Ryan Zimmerman was one of the factories. Yeah, yeah, so wow. Big, is it Noel or Noel? Yeah. Noel. Noel? No. It's Noel. It's an, it's an O, right? There's four mats on the 40 man, by the way. I just counted. Yeah, so I was right. right. We are 10% mat. <laughs> <laughs> like a mat level of 10%. And, and if you include Mikey in that, then that's even higher. Yeah, well, I can usually pick you I mean, Yeah. People call oh. him that. <laughs> and, and honestly, like, I'm not above including, like, Adrian Sanchez or Stevenson in that. Like, <laughs> you all somebody seem named like... James, somebody named James Bork is listed twice. Super utility man? What do you suppose that... No, he's listed as a pitcher both times. Oh. Secondary... Another clothing factory. <laughs> I mean, we, like, this is the proof. This is the hard-hitting stuff. <laughs> Somebody make a History Channel documentary about this. Um, so, should we talk about Mikey? Are you are you ready for that? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm never going to be ready because my heart... Granted, this is not as bad as if he had been, like, traded. But, like, it, it's worse in other ways because my boy got hurt. My baby son. Yeah, I feel really, really bad. He put in a lot of work this offseason. He was looking really good. And now we don't even have a timeline. It's like... It, I saw something, like, months... Like, baby boy, why does the bad stuff happen to you? Not to project too much of like what would have happened because I'm not a I I'm not a psychic here, but like we were definitely gonna pull that uh BS crap with uh Robles contract where we keep him in the minors oh, yeah. and then bring him up. Like that was absolutely gonna happen. So that means Mikey would have had like a month or so to establish himself as the everyday center fielder and like maybe make enough of an impression that we didn't just immediately swap him out for Robles when Robles came up. Now, now. Yeah. God, it sucks. He deserves so much better. He's such a better player than, than having stuff like this happen. Don't lay out for stuff in in spring training. It's not worth it. Yeah, it's all made up and the points don't matter. Trying is a sign that you're named Matt. This is like this is like when um I can't remember whether it was in spring training or whether it was just in an early early season minor league game. This is like when Robles last year like laid out for something really early in the season and like, really screwed up his shoulder and it's oh, like baby I know you're trying to impress everyone so you can get keep your job, but like don't do it this way. It's please don't do it this way. And like that's well, what I I mean, therein lies the problem, right? They're all yeah. trying to compete for a roster spot, so... So they, they are pushing themselves to lengths that maybe they shouldn't. Yeah, it's a catch-22. I don't know how to yeah. fix it, but it's there. I know. It sucks. Baby boy. <laughs> Speaking well, of you know what people, feelings... You know what people are saying we should do to uh, assist with the outfielder situation? I saw some rumbles about D-SPAN. Yeah, he's yeah. not signed. We could do that. Please could, come back, D-Span. We could sign him <laughs> to a one-year contract, see how things go. And he worked well with Mikey in the past, right? Or no, he didn't. It was it was Revere that he worked with, had worked with in the past, not Mikey. That was. What do you mean worked with? Days. Um, there was a center fielder in our like because we have like it's like the defense against the dark arts position. We have a different center fielder every year. Yeah. Um, so when we had D-SPAN and then we got, uh, I want to say it was Ben Revere. They had played together in the past so that there was like a good relationship there and they could like um. work together and like learn from each other. And I, I think D-SPAN left before Mikey got the job. I think. 
Yeah. So I think I'm conflating my timelines a bit. I just I, love every center fielder. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I have to say, like, how do I put this? Back to Bryce. Um, his defensive capabilities is why is not why teams sign him. Nope. Like, so I think anything is going to be an outfield upgrade. Obviously, they're hoping that Robles is going to be the outfielder of the of the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I agree they're gonna do some idiocy with his contract in oh, order yeah. to to steal money from a basically a child. And yeah, if they bring back D Span as a mentory figure, yes, I don't know. Maybe I think of him as older than he is because he has gray in his hair. Mm-hmm. He's uh, thirty-five. Yeah. Well, he's my age, so yeah. and I have gray, he's my age too, and I have gray in my hair. Now. Yeah, hard <laughs> same fan. Um, but but honestly, like having somebody who is an ex- experienced in the position and can perhaps help to increase the communication between the left, center, and right fields would be great because <laughs> we had some not great communication last year. It um, was a dot mess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I would love to see D span again, and I think he has got enough knowledge that's worth sharing that even if possibly, I, I mean, again, I, I haven't really been watching him the past couple of years. Cause I'd only have so much time to watch baseball games, but like, even if his defensive capabilities have like declined a little bit with his age, with his advanced age of 35, um, it creaks when he runs now, <laughs> but like, I may be, he has enough in, he, ha- he is like a really, really smart defensive outfielder and could pass that knowledge along to the next crop of kids while functioning in the position until, until we have somebody who can be more of an everyday. And, and like, he's been hitting. Yeah, I don't know. If yeah. I'm trying to find his defensive metrics, but he has still been hitting. Yeah, so he so, hit 261 in oh, wow. in 2018 with an OBP of 341. I am not mad at that. Nope. nope. Um, and defensive metrics are, you know, right. Augury. They just are not really. They don't mean anything. Yeah. Um, I was like, basically, look at the pattern of birds in the sky. That's a defensive metric. But yeah, his his defensive war has been up and down and up and down, and I'm imagining that's going to vary depending on the site that you're on. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't but have he, any errors last season, if we want to take it real subjective. But yeah, he has been hitting. I you know I would not be mad at, at that, particularly for like we're basically hiring you to to like do one on one center field coaching with Victor Robles, mm-hmm. and also hit hit the ball occasionally. So I I like this plan. I miss D Span. He was a good boy. Yeah, so he and Bambi did overlap. It was mostly that they were playing the uh, injury carousel, alternating with each other. Oh, that's right, right. That was when um, that was like Bambi's first twenty fifteen. Yeah, his first go round at being the center fielder because Despan had a back problem. I want to say back problem. Maybe it was a knee problem. I don't remember. Yeah, it's Uh, not important. He had an ouchie. He had an ouchies and had to sit down. He had <laughs> core muscle surgery for a hernia. Oh, yeah. 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 Off season coming up on 2015. And so Bambi had been a September call up in 2014, but he started 2015 as the starting center fielder because DCM yeah. was recovering from his surgery. They definitely overlapped. Okay. I like this idea. You know, no, not that they ever listened to me, but, you know, <laughs> they did bring Suzuki back this year. So, oh, like, true. maybe. Maybe, maybe they'll listen to me again from being totally able to hear me in my house right now. Well, speaking of Kurt Suzuki, we have a new podcast mascot uh, <laughs> named quite 
epically after Kurt Suzuki. Uh, for those who don't follow us on Twitter, you have a reason to check it out. Uh, we have a baby goat named Zook who has been saying hello periodically on our Twitter feed. Um, his, his people are the Duaguin Nigerian Dwarf Goats and Farm Store outside of Albany, New York. And we were originally tagged by one of our wonderful followers in a resting pitch face picture of one of the goats. And so if that was you, please remind us who you are because I can't seem to find the original tweet and we'd really like to say thank you. But um, the goats and their, and their person have been bringing us a whole lot of joy. So if you would like to share in said joy, you can check out our Twitter feed or go directly to Duaguin Goats, D-U-A-G-W-Y-N Goats, to check out Zook and his siblings, who are quite amazing. He is so cute. He has a little mohawk. I know, it's the best. A little white mohawk. He's so cute. I've had a lot of fun explaining this, because I set him as my phone lock screen. Mm-hmm. And so people are like, who is that goat? Why do you have a goat? And I have to go through the whole story on the comfort goats and Geo and Kurt Suzuki. And then, like, do you know that goat? No. Someone on Twitter tagged us in it. Where is the goat? The goat's in New York. Why is the goat in New York? Like, it's, it's, been, it's been a fun conversation for the last week or so. We should go on a, on a road trip to visit the goat. Oh, my God. I, that will end with me kidnapping the goat. So I don't think I can do that. Um, <laughs> or buying it, like, you, legally. You need, and then it, bringing it home, being like, surprise! You, you need something <laughs> special in your car in order to haul a goat long distances. I know you do. I know you do. Well, I'm just so Duke saying. is going to be looking for a forever home. Yeah. Amongst the, the goat farms of the greater northeast. So if you have a goat farm and you would like to feed Zeus forever home. I could totally keep one a male goat in my house. They're little baby goats. It's a little dwarf goat. It's totally fine. This is a totally reasonable plan. You get bigger. I know, but dwarf goats don't ever get like huge. They don't get I'm massive, not, but I'm not get bigger. I'm not keeping a, a goat in my house. I think I would probably get killed by first the cats and then my partner. <laughs> so <laughs> But you would have a goat in your kitchen. I'd have a goat in my kitchen for five minutes before I was murdered. It would be the mm-hmm. best five minutes of my life. It has a little mohawk, so yes, no. that is inherently true. He's so cute. I do want to say, as somebody whose father-in-law has a goat farm, we I we can get a goat holder for a vehicle, um, and we routinely get catalogs for goat fencing. Does your father-in-law want to be Zeus forever home? Uh, it's a it's a meat farm, Laura. Um, they have different. You guys had your different goats. Yeah, different they're they're goats. large Kiko goats that yeah. he raises and have a very happy life. And I have some in my freezer, like mm-hmm. you know. I but, don't like this conversation. Uh, I'm sorry, um, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, it's a it's a different kind of situation. But we do. But we don't want to go to that farm. No, uh, but we do have access to to goat related technologies such as fencing and mm-hmm. uh, a, a goat holder for your pickup truck. Because we have experience, by we, I mean my husband has experience buying those things. It would be worth it for five minutes to have a goat. No, okay, now I'm going to move on. I am not <laughs> buying a goat until <laughs> not buying a goat. <laughs> that would be the worst impulse purchase ever for me <laughs> and the goat. <laughs> I mean, my husband had one growing up, and he said it was a great lawnmower. But he lived on a farm. <laughs> I mean, that's a, I live in suburbia. Yeah, he lived in, out in the country. Yeah, so, I do. I distinctly do not live out in the country. So my favorite thing about goats and and the goat herd at my father in law's house 
is so he has a, a shepherd dog who you know is a is a dog who lives out on a farm and has a very good life running around on a farm mm. um and so in shepherding goats you don't you, like people are envisioning like shepherding sheep um where like the dog like runs behind the the sheep and like incur like basically barks at them until they go a specific place with goats what they do is the dog will basically go and show like one of the goats where she would like the goat herd to go and then the goats kind of make a decision if they're good with that and then she walks out in front and then they they will follow or not based on that decision making that doesn't surprise me because a goats are a little bit smarter than sheep and they're distinctly assholes yeah <laughs> um but it's like oh it's it's sort of a, a like a goat democracy of like <laughs> oh we will make this decision and then we will like all take a vote if we're gonna go to this pasture or not and and maggie the dog's like guys come on we do this every day every there day should, <laughs> there should be a word for that like parliament of rooks yeah like that implies that they're having a council meeting in goat yeah I feel that way sometimes about our bullpen, too. <laughs> well, we kind of alighted over the um, the comfort goat aspect of, of Zook the mascot, but, like, the, the bullpen needs a comfort goat and to be herded. So maybe they could learn something from the goat. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe the cart leads them over to, like, the bullpen <laughs> and they, like, make a decision of whether or not they want to go. <laughs> That's too much decision making. Too much like, decision making for a professional athlete. Like Sean is like, all right, we're gonna have a vote. It's good enough for a union committee. It should be good enough for us. <laughs> the goats have bellwethers, or is that just sheep? Because Sean is definitely the bellwether. I don't know. Is this your, like like the the one who like sits down or does things? And the then one the rest, the rest of them follow. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that they do. Like I think Maggie the dog sometimes is like, all right, I'm gonna tell this goat about this, and hopefully <laughs> they all decide to come to the damn pasture they go to every day. I I like goats because they're opinionated, but I hate goats because they're opinionated. <laughs> they're no, just like there is inherently a sheep thing. Apparently. Okay, I think I think it's like elected leader, like prime goat minister. Anyway. <laughs> I'm not sure how we come back from goats. Now my brain is just like, baby goats, baby well, goats. Well, Sean is clearly the prime goat master. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we should call him that from now on. Prime yeah. goat master. Well, so speaking of the bullpen, yeah. we talked a little bit about Sammy, which I think well, the only part of that that was surprising to me was that it wasn't right off the bat during the offseason. Like, they gave him a contract. The whole thing seemed like, okay, we were giving Sammy another chance. And then he himself was apparently kind of blindsided by the way it ultimately went down. Um, I think, so their, the rationale that the Nationals gave was basically like being a free free agent right at the start of the regular season is actually really, really hard. Um, and so they wanted to give him a couple of weeks to go and basically find a new team. But every free agent is doing that right now. So it's kind of mm -hmm. like, eh, all right. Yeah, you didn't really uh, move the... Move the needle on that one there, Nats. He's a Padre already, though. He, he found a new spot right away. That's good. I'm assuming minor league contract. Uh, uh, he is in the San Diego Padres organization. Okay, so okay. My, probably minor league contract. It was a minor league deal. Yeah. I mean, that's not terribly surprising. It doesn't preclude major league time. Um, but And it's the Padres. They're not very good. So he's probably <laughs> going to get called up pretty soon because I don't think they have a whole lot. Except Manny Machado. Oh, right. Well, but he's, he's not, not going to fix their bullpen. <laughs> Maybe he will. <laughs> no, uh, Sydney. Maybe he's now, the prime minister. <laughs> position players 
are not allowed to take the mound unless the game is in extra innings yeah. or a team has an A-plus run lead. So, no, Manny Machado cannot personally fix the Padres' bullpen. Let so, Manny Machado pitch. Honestly, he's a short he's a shortstop and a third baseman. He's probably got a great arm. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure he does. Like, like yeah. for pitching, he obviously has a great arm. But, like, let Manny Machado pitch. What, what we're referring to here is that uh, we've got a bunch of new rule changes for this season, next season, and beyond, potentially. And one of them is this this thing about like position players will not be allowed to take the mound, like which I don't I don't really know why we needed to make that a rule. Negative fun. I mean, it's not like they were coming in in the first interest inning and being like, "Yeah, I'm going to pitch the whole game." <laughs> like somebody on the Rays posted a picture of themselves wearing a shirt that said "Openers are people too." I wonder what Sean Kelly thinks of that. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, maybe that was the race strategy. Maybe that's why they had to make a rule. They were like, okay, we're going to put our first baseman in for the first inning so we don't have to burn any of our other pitchers. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think last season really did feel like a turning point between sort of lovable, fun, goofy thing that happens once in a while and still lovable, still fun, still goofy thing that seems to be happening a little bit too much. So whether this specific rule change is really the best way to go about it or not, I don't really know. I guess we'll find out. But I can see how the position player pitching thing seems to be starting to get a little bit out of hand. I'm glad we got our good run with it before this um, because of Mark Reynolds' amazing weekend, which was going to say about it. I think I got the right Reynolds. But, um, yeah, I, I can kind of see where they're coming from and wanting to do something about this. We'll see whether this particular rule change itself makes sense. Let Kike pitch. Honestly, I think this is just going to lead to um, more people being listed as, like, off the bench and a pitcher. Can they just do that? Why not? There may not be a rule saying not otherwise. I don't actually know. Well, like, there is a limit on how many people on your roster can be pitchers. That's true. That is one of the new... Um, that is one of the specific uh, new rules for next season. Yeah, 2020, the roster will expand from 25 players to 26 with a 13 pitcher maximum. But that doesn't mean that right now I couldn't designate my entire bench also pitchers. The Rays are already doing it right now as we speak. They heard me and they were like, great idea. Everyone's a pitcher. No one's a pitcher. I don't Honestly, I don't know if there's a ruler about that or not. Because there's 3,450 million rules in baseball. So that's well, definitely- So here's the thing. So if it's a game, like the first baseman who's been playing first base cannot take the mound unless it's an eight-run lead or in extra innings. Right. But if I'm a bench warmer, can I just be sent back to the bullpen and it's like, go get warmed up, son. And the answer is like, I don't actually see why they're... And if I'm listed as like, you know first base, second base, third base, because I'm a super utility infielder and pitcher, why not? I, I, I Like I'm saying, I don't know if there's a rule saying that you can't do that. Like, I'm not, I don't know if there's a rule saying that you can't be a shortstop and a pitcher. Like, there might be, there might not be. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, thus far, it has not been typically done. Yeah. But and that I, could just be because there was no incentive to do it. Yeah. I mean, I... I have to wonder what this is fixing simply because I don't, even if we're seeing more position players coming in, are we actually seeing them in situations where they're not in extra innings or in an, in, in a huge lead situation? Like I, I don't recall very many position players coming in in like the fifth inning unless yeah. they were already down by like 10, in, 10 runs. Uh, yeah. And I think this is also like MLB 
has an issue of a bunch of teams are trying to win and a bunch of teams are not. Yeah. And the bunch of teams who are not are likely to put in position players pitching when they're down by eight runs or, or whatever. And so, like, they made a rule change to fix the problem of disparities between teams by trying to fix something that is not going to fix it. Like, the same yeah. thing with mound visits. You can not you can have five instead of six. Did any team run out of mound visits last year? How can I remember? No, I don't think so. And, I mean, I remember we that was something that we talked about a lot um, and we were concerned about it. But I kept track of mound visits. I think the most I ever saw by, for a team in a game was, like, four that was mm-hmm. obviously just with my own eyes, but, you know. And they need to have, I think they need to have a specification that, like, if it goes to extra innings, you get X number of mound visits per extra inning. They do already. Yeah. Yeah, they already do. So I don't think uh, that affects this. So, yeah, this is a case of the, the they're fixing the symptom, which is position player pitching, but the cause is there are massive disparities between teams because mm-hmm. some teams are spending money to try to win and some teams are the Marlins. And some some teams are or the Orioles actively trying to lose. Yeah, like the, the Orioles who couldn't offer a contract to the to the guy who wanted to stay on the Orioles. You're f- like, thank God, Adam Jones. Please find a different job. Yeah. Like I know I mean, you love anything, Baltimore, but like, oh no. If anything, it's just kind of limiting it. Like the Nats were trying to win last year. We didn't do a very good job. Mm-hmm. But theoretically, we were trying, and we still had a position player pitch. We had Clint Robinson pitch, and and it was um, glorious. Yeah, it was great. Um, I like called everyone I knew to get back out of bed and turn the game back on. You know um, what they should actually require is that if a position player pitches, a relief pitcher has to hit. Like if Clint Robinson's going to pitch, then Oliver Perez has to hit. Okay, that's been yeah. well for us before that eighteen inning game against the Twins. Yeah. He he had a, you know a couple knocks over a couple of days, but like I mean that I mean even in the American League, if you're gonna put on a position player to pitch, then your then your next person off the bench best be like a relief pitcher who doesn't know what a bat is or something. I mean it won't fix the problem if you ran out of relief pitchers or burned through all your relief pitchers, which is why you're using a position player in the first place. But you could use a starting pitcher. Yeah. Although then why wouldn't you just have them hit? Anyway, that's not really. A <laughs> I think there's on the bone. It's just <laughs> teasing it out. But I, yeah, it's not fixing a problem. That's actually it's fixing the symptom. It's not fixing the problem. Um, I heard some stuff. I don't know whether this is in this. We're we're for the rules that we're talking about. We're using um, a cheat sheet. Shout out to uh, Ona on Tumblr for. Uh, helping us not have to read the whole list of rules. Um, I know there was something that had been talked about in terms of disincentivizing tanking um, in terms of having to pay penalties uh, um, and losing draft picks instead of getting like your first round draft pick, which was the incentive for tanking. Um, I don't know if that's included in these rules, but like that's the type of disin- that's the type of thing you need to do if you want to fix people actively trying to lose. Hacky went to that, I want to say, for X number of top draft picks, which in hockey is a much bigger deal because a top mm-hmm. draft pick is likely to play in the in the NHL for a long, long time, like immediately and for a long time versus in mm-hmm. baseball where it's Perhaps a you. lot. Yeah, it's it's if they don't make it or they don't make it as like it's not seen as as big a, a deal and as big a failure, though, obviously, you know, we had we had Strauss. Mm-hmm. We have Strauss, we have Rice, you know, it, it is important. But it, I think the system is the top two or three were up to a lottery of teams that don't make the playoffs in hockey. And in hockey, the top 
like 15 teams or so make the playoffs. So we're talking like the bottom 50% of teams, mm-hmm. uh, which in baseball, obviously it's the bottom three quarters of teams. Right. Um, so it's a, a different situation, but they did it so that like you could have almost just missed the playoffs and like been a re- pretty good. And then, you know, the bottom fell out or whatever. And you get the top draft pick versus a team like trying to tank for that top draft pick. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to say it, it has made things slightly more equitable. Um, because before then, it was just like the Edmonton Oilers, who are a freaking garbage fire of an organization, perpetually, just kept getting top draft picks and then tanking and flipping them for other top draft picks because they didn't know what to do with them when they got them. <laughs> like, I, I mean that. Yeah. No, I think the funny thing is, I think even I have heard about that and I am only like moderately aware of things that go on in hockey. So, um, but I would be totally, I would actually be fine if baseball went to a system like that. Yeah. I don't know exactly what was proposed. It came up in a con- in a car conversation, so it's not like it was like I am sitting here like deeply analyzing this. But uh, you know, that's fixing the problem. This is not just like the pitch clock is not actually going to fix the length of games. But thankfully, they decided that they're not going to do it. Did did they just like no power in the universe can make that one relief pitcher for the Dodgers work any faster? <laughs> I was thinking. Max didn't like it, and I'm yeah. perfectly happy to ascribe all things to Max. So I, was I think that say, was it. I was going to say, did he go into their offices and was like, look, I'm going to cut you? Or did he not even say anything? And did he just walk in the room and stare at them? And they're like, sorry, sir. Sorry, sir. Wait, we take it back. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I would believe that. But yeah, he was not happy. So let's, yeah, just, let's just say it with Max. He was fundamentally against it. Yeah. In his first spring training start. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there were other reasons, but basically what Max wants, we do. All of us, everyone, everywhere. That's how life works. Yeah, <laughs> I mostly am just thinking, like, I don't know if I believe in a deity, but no deity in the world can make Pedro Baez pitch any faster. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, buddy, come on. This is this is probably what baseball feels like to people who are not baseball fans. <laughs> Where I'm just like, I don't... I. It's messing up hitters' timing and that they fell asleep. <laughs> um, but, like, I, I, I think that's part of the charm of the game is the other thing. Like, like Max is, is actually fairly quick. Um, and then, like, other people, like, pitchers, part of their, their strategy is messing with hitters' timing via varying their own timing and movement. So mm-hmm. a clock is going to, like, fundamentally change that dynamic. But also, yes, maybe Max just went yeah. Like, he made the grimace emoji face at them, and then they were like, oh, no. A lot of these things are... You, you mentioned that it's, like, affecting the timing of the hitters, and, like, it's a strategy um, for pitchers to do this. And, like... A lot of the proposed rule changes, not any, not most of the ones that we're talking about now that are actually going into effect, but a lot of this mm-hmm. is trying to take power away from the pitchers so that maybe there will be more, I guess the thinking is that there will be more exciting hitting and stuff. So like, let's like, let's tie one hand behind the back of the pitchers so that. Yeah, moving the mound back. The yeah. Rule. And, and this is really. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of the thinking is like, screw you pitchers, like stop stop striking guys out like, yeah the pitchers have too much of an edge and league feels yeah. interesting about it I, can i can i ask like I, I, this is a case where 
the steroids era led to more power hitting, obviously, right? Right. Like, we're all good with that. Mm -hmm. And so if you made contact, you were likely to hit the ball farther because you were also juiced as hell. Mm -hmm. Then the pitching got better to deal with that. And because some of the pitchers were on steroids. But, like, the pitching got better to have to deal with the fact, like, it had to be less contact because the contact that was happening was going further. Yeah. But then they supposedly cut down on steroids, which I, I actually believe given like, we don't see people looking like the Hulk anymore, though I think yeah. that they're probably dudes on PEDs. But the pitching in terms of the skill level didn't get worse because it turned out that pitching to like PTK works as a, as a strategy versus PTC. And now baseball's mad at pitchers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, and like, am I am I crazy for thinking for seeing that thread in history? No, that's exactly. I mean, that's exactly what's happening. And and p- hitters are starting to adjust to that. That's why we're seeing things about like launch angle and like um, they've modified swing, so it's not just mash the hell out of it. Like they're adapting. What was it last year? The year before that was like record amounts of home runs, and everyone's like, oh my god, they're juicing the ball, etc. But a lot of it was like the players are also possibly learning to adapt to this stuff and then the pitcher it's like a natural swing one side gets stronger the other side adapts to overcome and then the and like uh, and it goes back and forth this is sort of how baseball goes is it an arms race because it involves pitcher arms it is an arms race yeah i do think the ball really was juiced i found um dr martin's research really really compelling on that um but i agree with you that there were two things that were happening one of them was the ball was juiced and the other is yeah you know hitters are hitters are adapting it's it's like drug resistance. One side moves, the other side moves. One side moves, the other side moves. Yeah. Um, Laura is talking about antibiotic drug resistance and not PED drug resistance. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, I don't think PED drug resistance is a thing. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I mean, tolerance, yeah, versus resistance is a, it's a whole. Oh, yeah. Tolerance. Yeah. You can be tolerant to many things. Although anabolic steroids, eh? Eh? You might downregulate your receptors a little bit. Well, anabolic steroids are, I don't think, the PED of choice anymore because they're not really a great PED for playing baseball. Um, they're great that, for building muscles. Are you kidding? They're great well, for building muscle, but that's not what makes you good at baseball. True. Hit ball far. Yeah. Hit ball far, but like not in a way that is actually – they're not the best way to go about that task in terms of PEDs. Well, they were good for a long time. That's why the, the pitchers yeah. got better. I, you know, this is also a case of like – people people there is hand wringing about the shift that like i find very silly like there are a bunch of people who are deeply concerned about the shift and i'm like people should bunt and 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 also learn how to be pull hitters yeah the end yeah if people could bunt better i mean we've gone off on that plenty of times but somehow it's still the same bullshit on a different day nobody bunts well none of them and so i think this is a case of against the shift we're going to see more pull heading and we're going to see more bunting and then they're going to move the shift back and then it's it has to be a dynamic system and none of it fundamentally solves the problem of billionaire owners not wanting to make ticket prices lower or end blackouts on games yep or pay their minor leaguers or pay their minor leaguers yep like or and half of them are trying to lose at any given time like that's the fundamental stuff and the rest is silly Oh, but the million-dollar prize for the home run derby is going to fix everything. Oh God! <sighs> Can I lay on the floor? Is sure. that allowed? It's okay. always allowed. I, the rest I'm of not going to stop you. <laughs> you might be hard to hear. Honestly, like 
I'm not like super mad about this, but it just feels wrong. Like it just, it feels sort of, well, first of all, it's not going to attract more high profile players to the home run derby. A million dollars for Bryce Hopkins. Yeah, the high profile players who are worried about running their swings are already making millions of dollars. Exactly. They don't need I mean, they don't need that million that paltry million dollars. <laughs> Ugh. Um, but like so it's only gonna attract the guys who are probably lower profile already. And it just something about it, like, we brag on the All Star game and the home run derby a lot for good reasons, but like having there being having there be a cash prize even more so removes the like, this is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be for fun, you know? And, and I, and I, uh, and the pre-show thing, like I am for them donating a million dollars to the cause of the player's choice. Yes. Yeah. I think that would be, a that really would be great. great. To do it. Um, and to do it that way. And the, the thing I brought up was, so again, going to hockey all-star game, which is actually fun though. They had a bunch, they had a uh, women players play in their all-star game and did not pay them because Hockey is a garbage fire. <laughs> um, and then they did when people were like, yo, pay them. Yeah. They did work. Anyway. Um, so they had like a system for a while. And I don't think they have it anymore where they did an all-star game draft. So it wasn't like AL versus NL or like East versus West. It was they had two team captains who then drafted their teams. And the last person picked in the draft got a car. As yeah the prize um and so ovechkin made a bunch of noise about like he wanted to go last he was very adamant that he had to go last and he actually was not picked last i think and the issue was he wanted to donate the car to charity and like specifically because he doesn't need a car like let's, yeah. let's go with that but something like that which was fun and then at the end you say okay corporate sponsor donate x y and z money to yeah. a charitable cause would get so many more people bought in than here's a million dollars to a guy who already has many millions of dollars. And having it be something like to the players, because like already there's a lot of stuff in, in the all-star game and the home run derby that's like for stand up to cancer, I want to say. I'm not sure what the specific name of the charity is, but like they do a lot of that stuff. So like having it be a player being like, I want this specifically to go to this issue that maybe needs some attention also a nice little sort of like optics move you know yeah and it's just the the sort of irony of this while we're still arguing about all of these labor issues it just feels i know we talked about sort of gratuitous use of the word tacky before mm -hmm. but can i non-gratuitously use the word tacky here when MLB does it, it's tacky. It, it is. It's it's tacky. tacky. I use the word tawdry at various points. Like, I, it, it's not quite to the level of gross, but it's something doesn't feel right. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna swear and just go fuck stupid. Yeah, that that also is true. It's it's fuck stupid is what it is. It's a dumb idea, and they should feel dumb for having it. No. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe they'll like realize that it should be going to charity, and maybe they just didn't do that maybe it's like or maybe the players will take it among upon themselves no they won't but like you know how like the people who win nobel prizes are like oh thank you for this million dollars it's going to x charity or whatever yeah i could see that happening depending yeah. on who yeah and i sure. imagine the player who already probably has millions of dollars <laughs> um is going to do that regardless because that's yeah. better publicity for them yeah than being having like, i won <laughs> yeah same thing with like they do win a car for winning the home run derby 
Oh God, I'm, I always forget about that. Like they get a truck. I yeah. imagine that truck is immediately flipped for money that then is, is then donated or something. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, I, I don't know about taxes if you're a millionaire, but I do know that like that kind of prize would be like a third taxed in value and it's better to just donate it. They, if they wanted a truck, they already got a truck. They, they have a truck. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not a, like it's a nice truck, but it's like, they could just go buy a truck. Most then, of them with their with their signing bonus went and bought a truck. Yeah, most of them already have trucks. So yes, <laughs> baseball. Oh, it's Spencer Kaboom's birthday. Happy oh, birthday, Spencer Kaboom! Is it his bar mitzvah? <laughs> I know it's not Carter. He's so. not Jewish. Yeah, no, we, I, I figured from the name Spencer. I wonder if that's not a Dan Colco was Jewish because I really wanted to be Dan Colco. He's a Jewish. He looks like he's in his bar mitzvah suit. In that slightly too big. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm just happy that he. I mean, it's sad because we won't get to see him on the field, but I'm happy he got moved to. Uh, he got promoted. And also, yeah, I, don't, I don't. I can't see the pregame post game yeah. on TV, so I just never see him. I mean, I'm never home in time to see it, but like, I I like knowing that it's happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. him and Bo Porter, I think, is yeah. going to be good. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. happy to see Bo Porter back. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy to see that the on-field person is a woman. Yes. Yes. Although yeah. I I don't mean this in any way that I'm sure she's an incredible reporter and her being very beautiful and absolutely no way diminishes that. But I would really love someday to see a sideline reporter who's not also incredibly conventionally attractive. Like, I feel like that's maybe the next frontier. Like, the idea that you can be really good at your job and on television as a woman and not to be really conventionally attractive would be nice. But I'm sure she's going to be great, and I'm really glad that we have a woman. Yeah. I, I think we're unfortunately quite a long ways away from that one. I mean, I remember when Colco got the job, people were like, oh, man, where's my eye candy? Like, yeah. uh, It's right there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to take you to junior prom. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it, it, there's obviously a big range in that like the the standards for what men who do reporting look like and what women who do reporting look like mm-hmm. are incredibly different and I, mm-hmm. I agree with you eh, at the same time I do feel that like Coco and and Coco was ready to not be on the field anymore yeah I'm fine with that um and Bo Porter I think will be a really nice addition yeah um I I actually want Michael Morris Morris to be an on-field reporter for us <laughs> Like, like, let's yeah. have two, and let's have one be Mikey, and let's let Mikey interview people. They could be a funny little like tag team buddy uh, system, but I want I need a term for buddy cup that's not cop because it yes. doesn't apply when they're not talking about that, and also cops. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, but a like buddy comedy. Yeah, a buddy comedy in which she's a a serious sideline reporter, and he's a golden retriever. We give a microphone to exactly. But I, I, I genuinely want that. That would be uh, so great. But I also do genuinely want, like, I feel like having one sideline reporter is actually, like, I want more than one. Does that make sense? I think it's funnier if they're both in on the joke. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I want a I uh, higher number of voices. I think it, it's good. I mean, there are a lot of problems with various national broadcasts of, of baseball games. But one of the things that they do have an advantage there is that, like, they can go talk to multiple people and it, it doesn't, it, you know, they have opportunities to do more because there's more of them. Down yeah, but like I wish they would stop doing it during that. Well, yes, <laughs> there are problems with national broadcasts. 
<laughs> but like there are other there are other advantages and even just having two people interview someone you might be able to pull some information out that you wouldn't if it was just one person especially if they're like both like signed on for the dynamic you know if they have a good rapport with each other they can bring the player into that rapport mm. a little bit rather than just being like so how'd you feel out there tonight I felt good. pretty good. <laughs> like, How are you going to feel tomorrow? Good. <laughs> Thursday? Oblique's probably going to be tight. It'd be it, that would be an interesting uh, an interesting experience. Yeah, I, I liked some of the, the in-depth sort of this is the mechanics of the game and this is sort mm -hmm. of the thought processes stuff that they did with like Colco and FP. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that obviously, and I'm I'm not saying that a female reporter couldn't have played the game, but mm -hmm. I think having Michael Morse doing that kind of thing when he was on here on Madison was actually very interesting. Yeah, and I like hearing more about sort of the the thought processes and the the considerations that if you don't play the game. Mm -hmm. You don't know. And I don't know the new sideline reporter from A Can of Paint. So, like, let's also keep that in mind, that she could be out and doing all of these things. I just don't know. I'm just basing it off of what Morse did last year. Yeah, I think that just supports the sort of more voices angle. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm excited to see how she is. Um, mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what new and interesting nonsense we're going to get from FP this year. <laughs> <laughs> I love FP like 98% of the time I want to make that clear because a lot of people genuinely dislike him and that is obviously their right I'm just not one of them <laughs> um, I have not yet gotten sick of his nonsense so. what's, the, what's the opposite of an acquired taste one of those things it's like you like it or you hate it and you know immediately what's the up like the taste <laughs> no Oh, there's some, it's like it's like FP cilantro. Either you like it or you think it tastes like soap. <laughs> <laughs> some people think FP tastes like soap. <laughs> and I don't really know how they change. Wait, do you think cilantro tastes like soap? I don't. No. Okay. I just wanted to be sh be be clear on who was on the podcast. Were you going to judge people for no. it? No. No. <laughs> I don't judge. No. I actually think I have a gene that makes uh, IPAs taste like weird to me because I hate IPAs. And I, when I describe that how they taste, people either vehemently agree or disagree. And I think it's a cilantro issue. I think it most might be. beer tastes like soap. You think what? Most beer tastes like soap. Yeah. Um, IPAs specifically taste like soap and flowers. Well, a lot of hops are are floral. Um, their plant, but like a lot of them actually have a sort of floral bouquet. It's a question of like how much is that being brought out. Like I, I can occasionally taste like flowery notes in IPAs, but not like so much so that I'm like I feel like I'm drinking a bottle of liquid rose soap. Yeah, like, no, I feel like I'm chomping on a yeah. bar of lavender, and I think yeah. that's probably some kind of of taste related gene. Everybody's got different taste buds. Maybe it's just a taste bud distribution thing. Laura. So now that this isn't super riveting. <laughs> <laughs> Beer, baseball, and soap tastes. <laughs> FP is a soap taste makes a lot of sense, actually. I, th I think we've strayed dramatically from the various points if we're talking about whether or not FP tastes like soap. Um, Wait, no, like, no, no, no. Are we not on brand for us, honestly? Don't I fight FP. I feel like the next You don't know where that's been. <laughs> 
I feel like the next question that's going to come up is us trying to figure out what kind of soap it is, and like that's a bad path to go. I don't so, want to do this. I want to wrap no. up. It's not, yeah, we're going to, we're going to walk out uh, tonight, tonight. We're going to, we're going to wrap up for the day, for the episode. I think you guys have a couple of things to plug. Um, Laura. Um, oh yeah. Same thing as last time. Cause it's not out yet. Um, so continue to keep an eye out. Um, I was on a lady science podcast about baseball and science and gender. And uh, I guess it's going to be out between now and opening day. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, we'll certainly um, make sure everybody is aware on our, our our Twitter and potentially linking to it on our website. I don't know what their rules are on that, but we can figure that out. Um, and then Sid, you've done a little more work for uh, Baseball Prospectus. Yeah. So I think between the last time and now, I co-wrote the season preview for the Nationals with Patrick Dubuc. We're going to go with that. Patrick, if that's not how you pronounce your last name, because I've only seen it in print, uh, let me know. Um, but yes, we did it as a like uh, back and forth dialogue about the Nationals, and it was really fun to write. Um, a lot of it was about basically where I disagreed with some of their predictions and some of their over or undervaluation of Anthony Rendon. Shockingly, <laughs> um, weird that that came up, um, as well as uh, some stuff about Adam Eaton. Uh, it was written primarily before Bryce was signed, uh, but now, but we adjusted to the fact that Bryce signed with the Phillies. And the overall prediction for the season ended up being uh, something that Patrick described as really dark, even for him. Oh, so, good. <laughs> it, it is behind a paywall. Uh, but the, the preview is, uh, he asked me how I thought the season was going to end. And I thought it was going to be the Nats and the Phillies tied for 87 wins. We play a one game, uh, like 163rd game against the Phillies where we lose. And he's like, wow, that's dark. And I'm like, welcome to my cave. <laughs> I was like, you have spoken to Sydney before, right? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So that that does not happen. But. You know, I enjoyed game 163, uh, both of them last year. So maybe we'll see. Yeah. And if all else fails, we'll just go to a death match. I think that's what it'll be. If we were <laughs> playing game 163 against the Phillies, yeah. like everybody's <laughs> getting pelted with batteries. They won't, They and the players won't bring bats, they'll bring maces. And oh, instead, of, instead of uh, balls, it'll be hand grenades. Guys, it's Philly. Don't give them any ideas. Yeah, Max just dives into like the sand and like, are those entrails in his mouth? Like maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, with that, our our social media stuff is uh, yes, our social media stuff. Max with entrails in his mouth. We always do this. We always somehow manage to end this way. To be outro. Uh, find us on our Twitter, Resting Pitch Face with no G. Uh, you can catch us on our website, restingpitchface.com. That has links to our Twitter, a couple other things, including our merch store. Other than that, we'll see when the season gets started. We're coming up real close on it now. So uh, uh, I'm Kay. I'm Laura. And I'm Sydney. Let's go Nats. Let's go Nats. Let's go Nats. Get those entrails. <laughs> Please come back, Tyler. Not the same since you went away We really miss your eyewear And the way you confuse batters at the plate There's a seat for you right next to Drew And we need you to pitch the aid Besides there's no other